0: Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad.
1: Hello, and welcome to Syndicates, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to Episode 9. This season we are exploring the hidden gems of films, or films we probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Allie. Allie, thank you for coming on the show.
2: Hey, thank you for having me.
1: Currently, Allie is a graphic designer here in the Chicago area. However, you probably know Allie best for her online persona, Juicebox Online, and for being one-third of the gaming stream team, Daddy Killers. So Allie... Tell us more about Daddy Killers and your Twitch channel.
2: Sure. People ask us all the time, how did you guys become the Daddy Killers? I like to keep it mysterious and be like, mm, maybe it's like Lady Killer. But the real origin story is a person on Overwatch was named Daddy and they kept killing us and we vowed revenge. And that was our personal Discord and it just kind of transferred over to our stream team name. Wow. But uh, we are a roommate stream team, the three of us, the official means. And I Want to Believe and Juicebox Online, which is me. And we stream almost every day of the week. Um, we have one day off, but you can find us on there after work uh, playing together. We're in each other's stream and we have a really fun community. And it's very small, but it's growing. And it's definitely a fun group to be a part of.
1: Nice. I would say that's a good way to like end your day after a long day at yeah. work. It's like, oh, I'm going to chill and watch some gamers
2: well it's definitely nice too because there's a lot of interaction between the viewers and the person streaming and it's we build these inside jokes and we build this rapport and so it's more like hanging out with your friends after a long day of work and that's what's so inviting and endearing about the platform
1: once again if you want to check out Allie and her streams please visit her twitch channel at twitch.tv forward slash online Now, today we're going to discuss an unjustly maligned horror film from 2009 by Academy Award winner Diablo Cody. For this episode's film recommendation is Jennifer's Body. Now, Allie, before we really get into the plot and the detail and the characters, what were your initial thoughts on Jennifer's Body?
2: I have seen this movie a total of two times. And both times I've seen it were this year.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow, recently.
2: (laughs) Yes. Before I saw this movie... I did not want to and I think this is a testament to why this movie was so poorly re- not received but how it was poorly marketed and I remember how much drama Megan Fox was going through not of her not of her own fault but there was this this stigma around Megan Fox when we were younger And I think at the age that I was when this was happening, I just, my kid brain was like, Megan Fox, bad. (laughs) So I didn't watch this movie and the trailer never incited me, you know? Right. It wasn't until my roommate sat me down and she has a habit of just putting movies on and we just watch them. And when we did that, I went, oh, wow, why did I never watch this movie before?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, we're, we're really going to get into the marketing aspect of this film back in 2009. But, like, the first time I watched the movie <sighs> was in 2009 when it came out in theaters because I was the target audience for that film, apparently, <laughs> uh 18 years marketed, old target, um,
2: target audience <laughs> yeah straight yeah
1: straight up like like th- you will like this movie so yeah I remember going to a the theater you know this was like hot off the heels of Transformers kind mm-hmm, of the
2: second Transformers
1: so I was like okay like everyone knows Megan Fox and I was like okay let me check out like her own movie this is like her movie so I watched it and I had some preconceived notions and then I think it was like during the first act, or like halfway through the second act, I realized like, oh, this is a really good horror movie. Like, jokes on you, marketers. I'm a horror fan, so Mm -hmm. this is awesome. And I remember leaving the theater like I was like, wow. Like I went in thinking it was going to be like stupid, and I left like, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. This is a really good horror movie.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: Before we really get into walking through the plot, a thing we like to do at Syndicate is. The 60-second elevator pitch. So I've been there. You've been there. We're trying to you know, tell our friends about this awesome movie, but we don't have a lot of time to do it. So I want to simulate that right now. Allie, are you ready to summarize the whole plot of the movie without major spoilers in 60 seconds?
2: Oh gosh, I feel like I'm on a game show. Yes, I'm ready. Final answer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. So you have 60 seconds to tell me the plot of jennifer's body in three two one go
2: so jennifer's body is a horror comedy written by diablo cody as you mentioned who also wrote juno so right there you already know the script is hysterical and so this movie really plays on gender dynamics and it reverses gender gender stereotypes in horror films it also uses common horror tropes and it changes the narrative for example how they talk about horror films and sexuality and this film also as you have mentioned um it stars megan fox it stars amanda seyfried and it also um stars the talented and slept on adam brody my mans <laughs> but the one reason why i think and it's personal and as we sort of discuss why people should see this movie is i think we owe it to megan fox as an apology to see this movie i i did not see this movie because of preconceived notions. And she, this is one of her best works. And we we owe it as an apology to Megan Fox and Diablo Cody, but mostly Megan Fox. I went a little over but yeah.
1: <laughs> no, with three seconds to spare. Like, oh, that yeah. was amazing. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah, you pretty much summed it up. It's kind of crazy how, because when I saw it back in 2009, I was like, this is a really good movie, but I never really watched it ever again. And like now there's like this resurgence Mm -hmm. over 10 years later. And I can't believe that people are talking about this movie and have such high regard for it. And it's not nostalgia because like, like you just saw this movie, like Mm -hmm. you don't have any nostalgia for it. So it's like people like actually take it on its laurels and be like, hey, this is a really good movie and you should check it out. And it has a good message too. Definitely. And side note on the marketing, the way this film was marketed, like we said earlier, uh, Megan Fox was, like, the big driving force of the movie, and she's super popular because of her roles in the Transformers movies.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, she... 2007 was Transformers, and then I believe 2009 was Transformers 2 when all that was happening. So they grabbed Megan Fox, um, and although this is a woman-driven production team and a women woman-focused cast... A male board of marketers marketed this, and I believe uh, Diablo Cody said it. They wanted to market this for women, and one of the marketers just emailed back the three words, like Megan Fox hot, and that's that was their vision <laughs> for the marketing. Just total objectification.
1: It, it just blows my mind how the marketing team chose to go in that direction, You know, in hindsight, looking back, like right now, like true crime is like very, very popular. And the main demographic for that type of media is women. So it makes sense to market this movie towards women. Like it's a it's a Mm -hmm. female driven movie and it has Mm -hmm. to do with women. But it just blows my mind that the marketers chose to go in that direction. Like, oh, like Megan Fox, she's attractive. So let's market this towards men. And I think they really missed the mark.
2: Definitely. What's really strange to me is that this is the follow up to Juno, not story wise, but Diablo Cody's script. So, how did they do so well for Juno? Like, obviously, it's a different marketing team, but like, Juno was marketed towards women, motherhood, but how could this not translate over to her next film?
1: Yeah, I think there was a notion that girls wouldn't like horror movies. Mm-hmm. So, I guess they wanted to market it towards young guys, but the way they did it, like totally didn't translate. Like to prepare for this episode, I watched some old trailers from the movie. And like, this happened to me so many times where I'm like recommending an older movie. Like, Oh, check out this movie. Let me send you the trailer. And I look for a good trailer and they're all stupid. I'm like, this is not what the movie's about. Like at all the tones off. Like they kind of like repackage it in this weird way to appeal to the lowest common denominator and that's what they did with jennifer's body they made it seem like needy is jealous of uh, jennifer and like all the guys want to be with jennifer
2: yeah i actually watched the trailer right before we hopped onto this together and i just i was taking notes and they included almost every scene where megan fox is starting to unzip her clothing (laughs) and of course the scene where they go where um not to get ahead of myself but the the uh the kiss between the girls they mm-hmm. allude to that so it's definitely this like male fantasy that they're trying to bank on so of course the movie's gonna not do well when they don't get that you know right and it, like the trailer makes jennifer out to be like this like succubus or something this like sexy lady coming <laughs> for all the men and it's not it's not right. what you get
1: exactly like there is a sexual nature to it, and that's very central to the theme and mm-hmm. to um, Jennifer's character. But it's not for the male gaze. It's a commentary on both the mythology of the succubus and also some larger themes that we're going to espouse upon mm-hmm. soon. But like, it just blows my mind how they just took all those scenes out of context to weave a different narrative to sell it two people.
2: In retrospect, watching that trailer, it just kind of hurt a little. It just feel it feels like it failed.
1: Yeah, I looked at the box office numbers and didn't make a lot of money. No. Like, like if I was a studio exec, I'd be like, whoa, okay. You know, you win some and you lose some. <laughs> like, whoops. <laughs> so, going into the plot, the movie opens up with a girl in prison. We don't know who she is, but uh, we're getting a monologue from her, and... All we know is that she's really strong, and she's a bit unhinged, and she's placed in solitary. What did you think about that intro?
2: It's definitely very off-putting, especially if coming from Mean Girls Amanda Seyfried, you know? Yeah. So you're used to this dumb kind of blonde role. Because I've just rewatched this from having watched it a few months prior, the beginning's a little confusing, especially when the marketing has pictures of Megan fox everywhere so you sort mm-hmm. of come in with this who is this strong chick i thought this was about this other strong crazy lady right so it, it it starts you questioning which is a fun hook but it is a very jarring opening especially when it's what you've been led to believe from the trailer is like this starts and this is a high school film and you're like why are we in prison <laughs>
1: <laughs> right it's not even like juvie it's like straight up prison like orange is the new black prison penitentiary
2: exactly that's exactly what i thought of when she was in prison i'm like orange is the new black that's yeah
1: so (laughs) yeah we're introduced to amanda siegfried's uh character her name is needy and Mm -hmm. she's in prison we don't know why something went wrong and she has a friend and her name is jennifer so we're going through not the eyes of jennifer even though she's the main character in the titles um aspect but Mm-hmm. We're using Needy's character as a surrogate for the audience to walk into this world. And after the prison sequence, it goes back in time, and we are in high school. We find uh, Needy and Jennifer are best friends, and Jennifer is the popular girl. She's a cheerleader, while Needy is the token nerd of the high school. So it's kind of like this odd couple going on. So the driving force of the first act is the rock show so and what happens at the rock show
2: they're at the rock show and they go because jennifer wants to meet the band she is very forward about her sexuality she really wants to try to get with i believe the guitarist adam Brody. And that's not his name in the movie, but I probably don't remember his name. So he's Adam Brody. (laughs) But (laughs) how they present the scene is that he is looking for a girl who's kind of a flirt, but is a virgin. And so Needy gets upset that they're talking about her best friend behind her back. So she goes to yell at them and she's like, yeah, she's a virgin. Leave her alone. But in turn, that wants the lead singer of what are they called again?
1: Low Shoulder. Low
2: Shoulder, thank you. I was listening to Through the Trees, their song, for like two hours straight, and all I can remember is Through the Trees. <laughs> but so so that makes them want to target Jennifer more. So it's this fun dynamic of cat and mouse, but there's two different objectives for the two characters involved.
1: They go with like two very different intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, Jennifer wants to hook up with the guitarist, thinks he's cute, while needy pretty much is just going because Jennifer's dragging her there. Mm-hmm.
2: And to note on that, I really enjoy the moment before this because I really enjoy how Chip is portrayed more as feminine. In, in major movies, I feel like Chip's character would be a woman. It would be a woman being like, Oh, you're always out with your friends. We had a date, blah, blah, blah. And I really enjoy how Chip has all these more feminine qualities. And I think that's one of the gender dynamics I had mentioned in my pitch. So I enjoyed that part mm-hmm. where she's like, nah, no, I got to, Saturday's for the boys. I got to go with Jennifer, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, like it definitely reverses the roles and it makes it more interesting. I think it's a hallmark of diablo cody's writing like she's a fantastic writer and it really shows in the script Mm -hmm. and uh, with these characters too because like you feel like they are real people definitely you feel like these are your friends or people that you would have gone to high school with so it kind of makes me wonder if they're based upon like her friends growing up
2: it totally could be i know she has mentioned she does draw from her experiences and like where she is in life so there's definitely probably influences I would, I would bet.
1: Yeah, I could totally see that, especially in the setting with uh, the dive bar and the, the band coming in. Because like, I don't know if you knew this, but Diablo Cody grew up around the Chicago area.
2: Fun fact, I didn't know until last night when I was streaming. One of my friends in chat started giving me all this Diablo Cody like lore. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'll keep streaming. You keep giving, like, this is great research. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So that blew my mind.
1: Yeah, she went to a high school. So we went to high schools in the Chicago suburbs that were not too far away from each other. And she went to one right in the middle of ours, Mm -hmm. our different high schools, which is mind blowing.
2: Yeah, I think I think her high school was a rival to mine, too. Like, that's wild.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I don't know if she drew inspiration from the Chicago suburbs. But like, there's a few local venues in the Chicago suburbs area that a lot of local bands go to they play music there and then sometimes like the bigger bands go to these venues just like in the movie like even though it takes place in minnesota where she moved from illinois to minnesota later in her life after college i think some inspiration i would like to think inspired from our neck of the world. Well, i'm
2: sure even i went to isu my freshman year and I had friends in bands and they would play at the little bars on campus and it was such a similar scene. So you get that. Yeah, that dive bar. I feel like it's a truly Illinois experience, how that felt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, she really captured that time period um, so perfectly in that scene. So the band starts playing and something weird happens.
2: Oh, the stage catches fire.
1: And it's it spreads throughout the entire tavern which is like wood paneled so it's like everything's flammable in there and it's next to a bar which is flammable uh liquor so the whole place goes up and what happens after that
2: jennifer it could be the alcohol it could be a state of shock from the fire but sort of breaks down a little bit and needy mm-hmm. rushes them out and says we've got to go we can go get food i'm hungry we got to go but jennifer really wants to go in the van with the boys and I think this is very indicative of the time. Jennifer goes in the van and leaves, but Needy goes home and calls Chip, and I'm not sure, I don't think she calls the police, but I know in this day and age, I feel like my friend would punch those guys and grab me out of there. So I feel like that's very indicative of when this time period was.
1: Right, and like, given the situation too, like this band performed at this dive bar, and then the dive bar exploded, Mm -hmm. and like, there's people on fire in the background, like, everyone's running for their lives and like this band's like smoking a cigarette like hey um yeah ignore that want to come to our creepy van
2: (laughs) isn't it It wasn't a white van too i like really creepy (laughs) yeah
1: it was it was a white like stereotypical serial killer van
2: (laughs) yeah this van is is totally cool like it's fine ignore
1: (laughs) and one of my favorite lines from the movie is like like she's being like dragged Is consenting to this drag. Like she's like, Oh, I'm gonna go to their cool van.
2: Like, no, don't do that. Stranger Danger. Wheeler. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So she ignores Stranger Danger and she quickly realizes this is a mistake. Mm -hmm. So they're driving down the road and Jennifer notices a book in the car. And what does the book say?
2: Oh my gosh. I don't remember what the book says. I just remember the like horror on Jennifer's face when she realizes the bad situation. I was staring I, I, it was the Megan Fox effect. I was staring at Megan Fox. She's beautiful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the book I believe it said witches or something, but it was an occultic oh, book. Yeah. Like it had a had a giant pentagram on it. So quickly Jennifer realizes oh, something something's not right here. And you overhear the band uh, muttering to themselves, like, "Is she a virgin? Are you sure she's a virgin?"
2: Oh yeah, I'm totally a virgin," she says.
1: <laughs> and then she then you try uses that against them, saying like, "Oh, y- like you should let me go. Like I'm a virgin. I probably don't know what I'm doing." And they're like, "No, you're perfect for what we need right now." And so that scene, I believe, fades to black or cuts to needy. Like we don't really know exactly yet what happened. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is what happened later on that night when Jennifer reunites with Needy. So what exactly happened there?
2: So Needy's on the phone with her boyfriend Chip and she doesn't exactly know what to do. Jennifer has not come home yet and she's really scared. And then she hears noises in her house. So she decides to go check it out and she sees Jennifer just eating what she can out of the refrigerator. And she goes to talk to her. And Jennifer just vomits this black goo got bile out at Needy. And Needy is mortified. And they have this exchange where Jennifer says, like, are you scared? And then runs away. And Needy is freaked out and spends the rest of the night cleaning the floor. And trying to believe if this actually had happened,
1: right? Because you would think that's a nightmare. It's like my friend didn't possibly come here and act like a monster and throw up like black goo Mm -hmm. all over my kitchen floor. That's a very jarring scene. It really sets the tone for the rest of the film. It's like, oh, like we we cross the point of no return now. Like exactly, we're invested in the movie. Like we have to see how this story unfolds. And before we continue. I do want to note that I think a central theme that's prevalent throughout the entire movie, from the band to what Jennifer will become, this uh, sense of sexual predation. Mm-hmm. Because like the band, they had a goal. They're like, "That's the girl we want." Like a predator targeted her. We're going to use her. Very creepy. Definitely sets up the villain, sets up the tone for the whole movie.
2: Yeah, I believe Megan in her interview also said watching it back, she realized how that scene made her feel in the moment with everything that was going on in Hollywood, how she was being objectified by men left and right. And she really could see those emotions she was going through in her portrayal. And I I, I, I 100% agree with um, what you're taking from it.
1: Like, it's just interesting because during the time, I don't know if Diablo Cody was like privy to this knowledge, but like this was when Hollywood was, quote, unaccountable for what they were doing. Yeah.
2: This was pre-Me Too. This was pre-Harvey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Like people-
1: Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein
2: sorry. <laughs> Harvey, this was pre-Harvey Weinstein. It was a lot of powerful men were not being held accountable for their actions,
1: Yeah and now they are like Harvey Weinstein is now in jail Jeffrey Epstein that you mentioned by last name Even though Justice didn't get served with him but he Mm -hmm. is dead So hopefully the rest of the people that are in cahoots with them will also go down But time will tell Mm -hmm. So back to the movie (laughs) Following uh, this night with low shoulder and the, the tavern burning down The town is traumatized and the high school is traumatized because a lot of Students were at that show when it burned down, and a lot of them got killed. There's this air of a trauma waving through the high school, and we get this awesome cameo that I did not expect to see and it's J. K. Simmons. He is yeah. the professor for Needy and uh, Jennifer. I was like, "What? He's in it?" And to note at uh, the scene prior, Chris Pratt was also at the bar.
2: Yeah. There's a lot of good cameos.
1: Yeah, whoever did the casting for this movie, like good job. I know it was a woman. I forget her name though, but
2: You said the name. I'm I'm bad with names, but he was wasn't he the father in Juno? Like they got some of the Juno actors to come back.
1: JK Simmons? Yeah. I know him best for his role in Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker's boss. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's a fantastic guy. Like the school's reeling from uh, what happened at the the bar? And he's like trying to calm everyone down, like, "Hey, we're gonna get through this," giving like this emotional speech. And Jennifer is looking a little different. She's acting a little different too.
2: She's glowy. She looks perfect. She looks her skin is thriving, and she is so bored with what's going on. She just wants to have fun.
1: Yeah, which is such a stark contrast from the night prior, where she was like super. You know, aggressive and she looked terrible and she was covered in blood and we don't really know what happened to her the audience is led to believe like she was raped or beat up and now the next day like you said she's glowing she looks great and she's bored with the conversation and she's a bit despondent and it's kind of kind of strange because she was at that event mm-hmm. like she knew the whole place blew up and She just doesn't care.
2: And Needy knows that's not a dream because she still has the goo under her fingernails. So she's very confused what's going on.
1: (laughs) And Jennifer is just dismissing it like, girl, you need a manicure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you doing? So that leads to Jennifer's first victim. So after that scene, we are introduced to a football player. And he is in the middle of the football field. And he's just lamenting the death of his friend. And Jennifer seemingly pops out of nowhere and confronts this jock.
2: Yeah, so I believe Jennifer's ex was in the fire. And so her victim is her ex's best friend. In a way to console console and seduce, I don't know if there's a weird word for that maybe in German, she says that her late ex-boyfriend said that they always would have been a good couple, the friend and her, and seduces him into the woods where all the animals come and watch as she...
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
1: So she lures him into the forest that's next to the football field, and she transforms into this monster, and then eats him, and he dies.
2: I love the use of the practical effects. And oh, yeah. I know that CGI wasn't as big when it was coming out, but it was still there. But I, I really love practical effects. It feels more like art. Like, not that CGI isn't, but there's this warm human emotion with a practical effect.
1: Yeah, Like, the thing I love about practical effects is sometimes it doesn't look real, but it feels real. Like, you feel... Like, you can, like, touch it. Like, it feels, like, real. Mm -hmm. And while CGI, quote, looks real, it doesn't feel real. Like, you could tell it's, like, a computer doing it.
2: Yeah. And that's... I know in the the behind-the-scenes, you could see, like, the fake Megan Jaws and stuff. They were cool.
1: (laughs) It's such a gruesome scene, and it really sets the stakes mm-hmm. at play. It's like, okay, we're not we're not messing around anymore. Jennifer is no longer the character that we knew her as. Like now she has transformed and whatever happened that night, like we now know she is forever changed and now she's hunting down men in this small community. And my absolute favorite line in the entire movie. And I remember this. I remember loving this line back in 2009. While Jennifer is devouring this football player, J.K. Simmons' character is leaving for the day, going home. He's going to his car and he hears the blood curdling screams coming from the forest. And his first reaction is, Let it all out, man. <laughs> like, I feel your pain. And I'm like, Oh, that's fantastic.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a good scene. And then after a while, he's like, Wait, this doesn't seem right. But yeah, it's a great scene. <laughs>
1: he's led to believe there's a killer on the loose now like not only did this place burn down and kill some students but now there's a killer on the loose so this is very unnoticeable but the the movie takes place after that point one year later one year passes by
2: i wow I did not notice. It's
1: very subtle, and by this time, low shoulder.
2: I'm silly. Of course, I noticed. Yes, you're right. Go ahead. <laughs> How else would they've gotten famous right. in like a month?
1: Right. So they're elevated to superstar status following the tragedy, and that song that they performed in the bar
2: through the trees
1: is like the theme song for the the school and isn't like three percent
2: goes to the victims or something really small.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a point why uh, Diablo Cody made a notion to make it one year later. Jennifer's first victim was, like, soon after the event of the tavern burning down. And then one year later, she's looking a little rough. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, like, the colors out of her skin. She has these dark circles around her eyes. She's just just not looking good. So during this time, this... uh, There's no better way to say this emo kid that we're introduced to earlier in the movie has the hots for Jennifer. He was like, hey, and I love this line so much, like, hey, you want to go out sometime? The Rocky Horror Picture Show is playing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you know, I don't really like boxing movies. Yes,
2: yes, yes, because she thinks it's Rocky, yes.
1: (laughs) Once again, Jennifer lures the goth kid using her sexual prowess. Well, it's
2: also, I think it's remiss to not talk about, I think a little bit of this emo kid does like Needy. He's kind of set up that way. Yeah. And I think he's respectful that Needy has a boyfriend and who wouldn't want to go out with Jennifer? And so he does try to get with Jennifer. And there is this women in their adolescence, this movie is very good about picking up the weird, toxic, nature that can come out of adolescent friendship and i know for some reviewers i saw younger men don't necessarily understand that where this is a little bit where i think more mature women who have gone through the adolescent phase understand this relationship a little better about needy and um, jennifer so this scene for me feels like a little bit of a power dynamic where when needy's like well i like him i think he's sweet Jennifer has that competition to her where she's like, oh, "Oh, Needy likes him? Okay. And then chooses her victim.
1: No, you're totally right. And that character attribute to Jennifer reverberates throughout the entire movie. That's how you know Diablo Cody is such an excellent writer is because those little setups have payoffs by the end of the movie. Exactly. Like there's so many like, this is being set up and now it's being paid off. And it's so satisfying. Things just aren't there to be there, like there's intention with every single step in this movie.
2: I think it's a testament to her writing too, that the same scene, you and I, with our different experiences, with however we identify, we pull different information out, but we still get so much valid information. So it's a movie by women for women, but it's it's not like kicking anyone out of the story. I think once you have the right lens to see this film, you start to understand the nuances and what's happening and, and and then anyone can enjoy it. It's just, you come into it w- with a different perspective, if that makes sense.
1: Right. And like, it's brought to another level with the subtleties in the acting from Amanda Siegfried, uh, Megan mm-hmm. Fox. It's a great movie. And I don't understand why it's so maligned. Because it's so maligned is what makes it such a, mm-hmm. a hidden gem. So following this back and forth, Jennifer convinces the goth kid to like, hey, like, I don't want to go to the movie with you, but you're welcome to come over to my place. Uh, I think I rented Aquamarine and we can <laughs> watch that. <laughs> yeah, like, something totally, completely different from what he was suggesting. And he was like, oh, okay, like desperate to, you know, just spend time with her. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll come over, of course. And so the following scene is such a perfect snapshot of, of the two different characters of Jennifer and Needy. Mm-hmm. So what happens next, Ali?
2: Correct me if I'm wrong, but I know we get this cut of Emo Kid driving yeah. with the, like, juxtaposed, like, I can see clearly now the rain is gone song. So he's excited to yeah. he go and, like, there's this light in his life kind of thing. And it's a really fun scene. But also mm-hmm. we have the scene between Chip and Needy where they plan to have sex together. And it's really clunky and funny at the beginning because, like, they don't normally talk about getting the condoms or, like, she's like, put it in. And that's, like I think, one of Diablo's favorite lines. <laughs> so, like, it it's very different because, like, it's really real and gives more humanity to these characters. And so they're experiencing this. So there's this... This uplifting moment of, like, the people being together and then the emo kid and Jennifer And then the scene flips where he's realizing, the emo kid, that this is not quite what he thought was happening. And he's scared. And Jennifer is starting to do her seduction. And Needy is having these visions while she's having sex with Chip. And Chip, not noticing anything, is like, oh, she's screaming because it's so good, but she's like (laughs) in terror because she's seeing visions of the the dead victims and Jennifer, how she saw Jennifer that night at her house. And then we see the emo kid realizing what's going on and we see more features of Jennifer with her eyes and the mouth again. But we don't see the death, but we see behind a screen and we see her body a little bit transformed before she goes to kill him.
1: Seeing the shadows and seeing all that implied uh, visual cues, like we know like Jennifer is no longer a girl, she's a supernatural creature. Yes. And she has needs and desires that are not what a normal human would want.
2: (laughs) Probably not, I hope not.
1: (laughs) Um, Another thing to note with this scene between uh, Needy and Chip is like, since it feels so real and so clunky and awkward, it demonstrates what true love is. And like what true attraction and emotional connection two humans can have, specifically uh, two younger people. And that's so wonderfully juxtaposed with the emo kid and Jennifer, because like, even though the guy is so excited to be with Jennifer, he doesn't really know her. It's more of a, like a lust Mm -hmm. relationship. Like he's attracted to her, but he doesn't really know her. So I just love the contrast between the two. It's like here's like a loving couple and then here's like...
2: A hookup kind of.
1: Yeah, like a hookup. Like it's not particularly the the best intentions and one of them has dire consequences mm-hmm. and the other one has positive consequences.
2: I also think it's kind of interesting because you're talking about this loving relationship. I think also... Something that's important to me in relationships is communication. That's my big number one thing. And I think when this starts, they have great communication, Chip and Needy. Like, yes, Chip gets upset sometimes with Jennifer. But it's interesting the end of their time together because Chip starts to not listen to her. And this is also kind of mm. foreshadowing what happens where he stops yeah. listening to Needy when she is having this premonition that something wrong is happening and she's he's not listening to his partner and that carries on throughout the film i think it's very subtle too as well
1: so we're getting to the part of the movie where our main character needy knows something's wrong and she tries to communicate it to the person that she trusts and they obviously don't believe her like i would say any sane human would not believe if i was like I see blood coming out of the walls. There's something wrong with Jennifer. I think she's a demon. I'd be like, oh, you're crazy. <laughs> but this is a horror movie, so these things should be taken seriously.
2: <laughs> I mean, if, you, if your friends are dying around you, take a little seriously.
1: <laughs> right. So another thing I want to note about. So the, the emo kid, his name is Colin. When Jennifer is eating him, the camera focuses in on Colin's hand. And he's holding a rosary which then goes with the theme of uh, the occultism. I don't know if Colin was religious or anything, but at the end he was holding on to something as uh, a demon was was killing him. Yeah, so I thought that was very interesting, like visual storytelling.
2: yeah, definitely.
1: like I think that's for me a symbolism of Jennifer's descent into the thematic underworld, if you will, like other than killing the jock, like her second killing is now the point of no return for her. It's like now, I guess she is like an agent of the devil now.
2: Yeah. Like she realized like it wasn't this one-off thing. Like this is her life now, for sure.
1: Yeah. So following that scene, Jennifer appears to Needy again. But unlike the first time she met with her, she is not covered in blood. She's glowing again. And then what happens in Needy's
2: room? Jennifer starts seducing needy and but needy backs off and swears for one of the first times in her life which kind of throws jennifer off <laughs> but they, they get into a, a real fight and Needy tells her to leave and uh <laughs> jennifer jumps out the window <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and then before she jumps out the window she does the i guess the exposition dump so she explains.
2: Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. She explains what happened that night. So we know what happened that night.
1: Yeah. And it's such a great reveal because, like, you kind of know what happened, but, like, this, like, confirmed it. It's like, this is what actually happened that night. Would you like to explain it?
2: Yeah. The band Low Shoulder, they didn't necessarily want a virgin because they're skeevy perverts. They needed a virgin for a ritual sacrifice so they could propel their career and become famous. So there's this scene, which is, it's just so, I hate to say it's so good because it's so disturbing, but it's such an interesting scene where she's on the ground begging for her life. Mm-hmm. And they're around her singing Jenny 8675309, which a lot of people don't know anymore, but.
1: Yeah, one hit wonder.
2: Yeah. I feel, I don't know if they were having second thoughts about it or if she had to be not in a crazed state when she died for the ritual. And it had to be on a specific, I think the waxing or waning moon, I can't remember, but they had all these conditions. Mm-hmm. So they had to, I think they had to get her a specific mental state. So they're all around her singing that, Jenny, can I get your number before Adam Brody's character just stabs her repeatedly until she dies. Yeah. But, however, because she was not a virgin, the ritual works Sort of. The band, their request was filled because the requirements for the sacrifice was not met and she was not a virgin. She became this demonic succubus sort of creature. This demon inhabited her body. Mm -hmm. And now she wreaks havoc.
1: I also don't know if it was a condition of their sacrifice, but so the town is named Devil's Kettle, very on the nose. Mm -hmm. And it's named after the waterfall like I said earlier, with like setup and payoff, that's like said in the beginning of the movie. And it's like, I wonder if that's just world building for world building's sake, but it's not it's because like she is being sacrificed next to that waterfall. So I wonder if that waterfall, if the band knows, if that's like a nexus between the dimensions between our world and the spiritual world and they'll win favor of the dark one if they do it there as opposed to any other spots.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a very powerful scene, and it's very interesting. I um I do, on my own time, want to see if this ritual is based on anything. A couple of my friends and I actually do research into occultism and witchcraft, mm. so this scene was very interesting for me since I, I do a little of cleansing my crystals on the full moon and stuff like that.
1: <laughs> I think it is based upon... It Because knowing Diablo Cody's love for horror, she probably did some research onto actual occultism and ritualistic Mm -hmm. sacrifices. So she probably went down the rabbit hole to make her her villains authentic.
2: Yeah, Diablo Cody, please give me your grimoire. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of demonology, like after she's being sacrificed and she is reborn as a succubus, needy does research on demonology mm-hmm. and she learns about the succubus so she learns all about how to defeat them which is a knife through the heart Then she's explaining it's a chip and this is the second time she explains the severity of the situation the chip and chip doesn't believe her
2: mm-hmm. i believe this is the scene where they Break up, right?
1: It's a scene where Chip is like asking her out, like, hey, would you go to the dance with me? And she's like, you know, the demons are here in the high school and they're trying to eat us. Yeah,
2: we've got a little bit bigger problems than a school dance.
1: But my mom wants pictures and I bought a corsage. It's $12. That
2: was a lot in high school.
1: That was like money for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they break up. Chip doesn't understand the severity of the situation and it's actually needy's advice like she was like i think we should break up for our own safety and of course chip doesn't take it well
2: Mm -mm. i think the like one of the next scenes is one of my favorite moments of the film i just really enjoyed when he's getting ready for the dance because he decides to go despite needy's warning i love how his mom comes in and gives him the pepper spray yeah. As a woman, I never personally have owned pepper spray, but a lot of my friends have. Their family members have given it to them. And I just it's more prevalent for us to carry pepper spray. So just that moment with how men are being targeted, men are, you know, at night are going missing, and him taking care of himself and having the pepper spray, which is such an interesting role reversal. I thoroughly enjoyed that moment.
1: Yeah, it's a great character building moment. Side note, I carried pepper spray at that time in my
2: life. That's totally valid. Got to protect yourself.
1: Like, yeah, muscles. Muscles can't beat pepper spray. So. That,
2: wow. That's like iconic. I'm going to remember that line. <laughs>
1: it's like, I'm buff. Well, I have me? <laughs> <Boom. laughs> <laughs> so, and then his follow-up line is, like, so perfect, too. And I remembered it to this day because it's such an iconic line for me. Is like, so his mom is handing him the pepper spray, and he's like, I don't need it. Like... I've been working out on the Bowflex. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I feel you, man. I feel you. (laughs) So the dance is going on. Uh, Needy is by herself. Jennifer is by herself. And Chip is by himself. But Mm -hmm. on Chip's way to the dance, he is intercepted. And who intercepts him?
2: Jennifer. Chip is walking alone because needy's not going with him so jennifer who had previously in another in a phone call to needy said to her chip's looking really good lately she goes up to chip and talks about needy and her concern for him as a means to seduce him and says you know i really care about you needy's going crazy and they end up kissing on the field and so then she goes to take him somewhere more private
1: envious she wants what needy has or she's jealous of what needy has someone alerted needy that jennifer was hooking up with chip Mm -hmm. she found the corsage Mm -hmm. that he was talking about earlier on the ground and we all know if you spent 12 dollars on something you're just not gonna leave that lying around (laughs) so she knew something was wrong so then And Needy looked up, and she saw an abandoned pool hall.
2: It's a cool atmosphere for the the final big battle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great set piece. It's like, we need a creepy place. Abandoned pool hall. Okay, we're done. (laughs) So Needy goes there, and she finds Jennifer on top of Chip.
2: Chip was pushing her off of him and said, like, this is not right, basically. Like, he does really care for Needy. He was backing off, and they totally have this cat fight, and... Jennifer levitates and I just love the moment where Needy's just like she's just levitating it's not that impressive. And uh, you have
1: to undermine everything that I do (laughs) Needy?
2: It's more of Needy and Jennifer hashing out a lot of their friendship issues that they didn't have the communication to work on maturely. Right. So that's what a lot of this fight is. But Chip does get injured and Needy tries to save him, but it's too late. Now Jennifer has crossed the line and killed someone who was really important to her.
1: Yeah, that's such a great scene when Chip tries to stab uh, Jennifer. You would think like, okay, that's enough to kill her, but we all know, mm-hmm. uh, well, Needy knows. Like, Needy tried to tell Chip, but Chip didn't believe her that he needed to stab her through the heart.
2: Yeah, not the side. <laughs> so close. N- not not that close, but...
1: So, Yeah. Then after requesting a tampon (laughs) to stop the blood flow, Needy does not have one. So then Jennifer flies off into the night. And then we get that beautiful speech by Chip. And then uh, Needy is on the Mm warpath to take out Jennifer at this point. So Needy goes to Jennifer's house. She is applying makeup to her face. So even though she just fed upon Chip, she's already deteriorating. So, Mm -hmm. it's very interesting that her first victim, like, she took a year before she felt the effects of needing to feed again.
2: So, I didn't stop you because we hadn't gotten to it yet, but the first victim was actually that exchange student in the fire. That's right. And I just, I didn't want to get ahead of ourselves, but now that the reveal's there. So, because the night of the fire, obviously, Mm -hmm. she was probably incoherent and has a victim. And then she feels really good, but then realizes with the victim a year later, I, th- I have to do this. I can't live or survive any other way and just maybe let's the demon consumer. I'm not entirely sure.
1: Like the way you're describing it right now, it sounds like the hallmarks of a serial killer. Yeah. Where they have their first victim and then they're satisfied for a while and then they need to kill again and then that opens the door. They let the demon in mm-hmm. and they really go to town, mm-hmm. killing left and right, which is what Jennifer is doing at this point. Exactly. But unlike a serial killer, she needs to do it because she needs to to eat their flesh to stay alive. Yeah. I find it interesting that she is, like, within the same night looking like crap. Yeah. So it's like it's not satisfying her anymore. The thrill is gone, mm-hmm. just like a serial killer. Like, they're they're looking for that first thrill again, and they can never get it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, my next victim will satisfy that that urge and it never does yeah. so they're like chasing the dragon so they have the final battle between uh, Needy and Jennifer and it's it's balls to the wall it's crazy they're levitating yeah. <laughs> their special effects run amok like it, it's it's fantastic
2: yeah it's a very powerful scene the effects are awesome it's the piercing of the heart and the, the iconic
1: mm-hmm. "my
2: tit line <laughs> and then, ladies, your heart—it's—it's it's telling of the the, the mm-hmm. topic of objectification of women too. That's a powerful line,
1: right? Jennifer's character; she uses her sexuality as her weapon mm-hmm. to lure these people into her little trap. Like, yeah, she didn't see it as her heart being stabbed, but her flesh. Yeah, <laughs> great writing on Diablo's part. Mm-hmm. And then another aspect of that fight, which is interesting on a thematic point she wore this pendant around her neck
2: the best friend's pendant i think it's when she's falling down and the stake is going down into her heart the pendant falls and hits the floor signifying Mm -hmm. they're not friends anymore
1: and stabbing her into her theoretical heart which is the friendship between these two characters
2: yeah and then right as that happened, the door opens and Jennifer's mom walks in.
1: <laughs> At the worst possible moment, and she doesn't see that a demon is being slayed, but her daughter has been killed by her friend. And a thing that we didn't know in the beginning, so the movie ended where it began. So she's in jail, and she reveals to us, the audience, that she did not leave the battle unscathed.
2: She was bitten by Jennifer, and if you survive with a demon bite, you absorb a little bit of their power. Mm -hmm. So that's why Needy's kicks are crazy strong, and we see her levitating in the jail. And with her crazy kicks, being in solitary confinement, there's actually windows, and she kicks out with her bunny slippers and walks out of jail, then goes uh, hitchhiking so she can follow her favorite band.
1: Yes, low shoulder. So yeah, and I thought that's where the movie ended and i was like like okay she has these new powers like she's not a demon but she's imbued with the power of uh, the succubus but then the credits start rolling and then there's a post credit scene where she meets up with low shoulder and what happens
2: i really like how this scene is filmed it's uh it was during the credits i believe and it's pictures and we see them on mm-hmm. tour having fun at their hotel suite, drinking, partying. But then the pictures yep. start to change to dead bodies in chairs and on the floor <laughs> and the police coming and things like that. And the final shot, we we see fans running towards the room where Low Shoulder had been staying and a hooded figure walking away who slowly looks at the s- security camera. And that's... And it's
1: such a satisfying ending to the movie. Because I was thinking about it throughout the entire... I'm like, so they sacrifice this girl to the devil to become famous. Like, are they not gonna have any repercussions for that? But the very end of the movie, they get what's coming to Mm -hmm. them and they get slaughtered by uh, needy.
2: People call this a woman's revenge fantasy and it totally is. Like, taking that power back from people who did this to you. It's so much better when you view a movie this way than... Megan Fox hot, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Like, and that's why I left the movie theater with the the sense of like, man, that was a really good movie. Is because, like, I went in thinking like, okay, this is a vehicle just to show off Megan Fox, but like, it's actually a well written, beautifully directed horror movie. Yeah, such a fantastic movie. So, we walk through the themes of the movie. We walk through the plot. And now we come to the end of the show, and what we like to do here at Syndicate is the one reason why. So, to you, what would be one reason why you would recommend this movie to somebody?
2: I think the one reason why people should see this movie is because it blows your expectations of a horror movie out of the water. It changes the narrative on tropes you love while still paying homage to what you love. It's beautifully crafted, and it's Beautifully thought out. Diablo Cody did a wonderful job. And everyone who touched the film did a wonderful job. And it definitely slept on.
1: (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. Like, for me, the one reason I would recommend this movie is because like you said, it is a sleeper hit. Not a lot of people talk about this movie, but it's it's a fantastic horror movie. And it really pushes the genre in a good way.
2: It's definitely a good bottle of wine or like a good scotch. Now we can open it and enjoy it. The scotch or the whiskey, it was great. But now, but now it's so relevant. It's Mm -hmm. so important today. I feel like this movie, it's so topical. It's it's time to uncork it. It's time to drink that scotch. It's it's time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like age definitely made it so much better. And that's such a great thing with horror in general is like a lot of horror, like the good ones, like get better with age. There's like the craft element to it that ages so nicely too. It's like, ah yeah. like you said earlier with the practical effects, it's so Yeah, it's such a beautiful story. I think
0: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: It deserves at least one watch.
0: Yeah.
2: Ah, Chef's kiss.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Jennifer's Body by Karn Kusama and written by Diablo Cody. Please check it out where it is available. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Allie, for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me. It was so much fun.
1: You can find Allie at twitch.tv forward slash Online. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicate on your favorite social media platform. That's C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E. If you have any questions about the program or even the media that we recommend, please reach out at info at or visit the website, syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll, spend more time watching. Bye.